This is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? That's good. Uh, Well, um, I'm Lucas, if you didn't guess, uh, from Olivet Nazarene University. I'm a ministerial missions major, and uh, I'm a senior. So uh, I also just wanted to thank uh, the congregation for being super hospitable. Uh, uh, Our stay at uh, Pastor Phil's place last night was super super relaxed, super chill. Um, it was really nice to be able to just relax more than college students are allowed to relax. Right? So, <laughs> so again, thank you guys for being hospitable and, and just letting this be kind of a break from, from school for our Thanksgiving break, which I had to write a 10 page paper during my Thanksgiving break. So. <laughs> So our passage for today, if you have a Bible and you want to open it up, is in, <laughs> is in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. And that's, again, that's Isaiah 9, verse 6 through 7. It reads like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I could barely hold back the tears. We just, we just kept walking past them, sitting on the side of the road and on sidewalks, and I have no idea what to do. I have to do something, I thought to myself, and nothing I tried telling myself to justify it was making me feel any better. It's not fair, I thought to myself. Why do we just walk past them? And even if I give, what are they really going to spend the money on? do I do? Do I pray for them? But if I can't provide for their physical needs, what good is that possibly going to do? How can I be of use here? I feel so small. I felt like the tears were about to burst through. My heart was pounding. My introverted heart wanted to be comfortable, but at the same time, this heart was breaking into a million pieces. There's too much to bear. We kept on walking and the tears started streaming. It's not fair, I thought to myself. It was wintertime, and I was in Chicago with a mentor of mine and a few others from his church's youth group. We were walking down the sidewalks of downtown Chicago, and the women and men we were walking past were some of the homeless community. I had money to give, but I was told not to give it because you you never know what they're gonna spend it on or something like that. I was told not to give that money 
but I felt so small. I felt insignificant, like I couldn't do anything in the midst of a problem that was so much bigger, that is so much bigger and more complex than I could understand. How many times have we walked into a situation that is so much bigger than us, happening right in front of us that makes us feel like we have no way of actually changing the situation for the better? And another, another way of putting it might be, have you ever witnessed an issue that was so big and out of your grasp that it made you feel small? Well, our scripture reading for today uh, is actually attributed to a man who knew this feeling pretty well, the prophet Isaiah. <clears throat> Before I get into the nitty gritty, sorry for those of you who don't like history, but I'm going to have to give you a little brief history lesson, just kind of to set up the context. Uh, so when there were kings in the kingdom of Israel, uh, there was the first king, Saul, right? We have Saul, and then after him there was David, and then his son Solomon. And after Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took over. During Rehoboam's reign, there was a very bloody civil war that ended in the split of the kingdom of Israel into the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. This is where the prophet Isaiah comes in. He lived and prophesied after Israel, the north, had already been taken into captivity in Assyria. Isaiah preaches judgment on Judah, the south, and Jerusalem for neglecting the poor and the marginalized, those at risk of being taken advantage of. And you might be thinking, what does this have to do with anything that you just said? Well, Isaiah prophesied under the context of a situation that was much bigger than himself, much bigger than he could grasp or understand, right? People were suffering under unjust conditions because of unjust rulers in Jerusalem. The poor had to scavenge for themselves. The widows living in a culture in which they had to be attached to a man in order to matter or even survive also had to fend for themselves. Orphans lined the streets begging. And if you think hard enough, you can hear the clanking of coins in dishes held by beggars on every block. Amongst the clamor of a busy city marketplace, you can almost smell the smoke from torches, the dung of livestock, the musk of a lot of people in a busy place. And around the corner, the stench of a community of homeless poor not afforded the dignity or the opportunity of a place to sleep or bathe comfortably. You can hear the groaning of the sick as people walk over and around them in the, we in the weeping of widows clutching their starving children. This is the situation into which God called Isaiah to prophesy and preach. Kind of overwhelming when you think about it. God called Isaiah to preach judgment on Judah's corrupt leadership who trusted in their allies, the nations around them, worshipped idol gods, who neglected the poor, the, the widows, the orphans, and those who could not care for themselves. In other words, the vulnerable, the marginalized. But Isaiah also preached a message of hope. The very same message that our reading brought us today that there is coming a time when God himself will establish his reign. All injustice will cease, all war will cease, sorrow will be traded for rejoicing and gladness. 
and he will do it through a child. Amen. Sorrow will be traded for rejoicing and gladness through a child, the one promised, a descendant of David, the king who would rule on his throne forever. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Shalom. That's the Hebrew word that translates to peace in our Bibles. Shalom means whole or complete, like a wall with no gaps or cracks, or like a symphony in harmony with no dissonance. But what did this matter to those steeped in idolatry in Jerusalem and selfish ambition, those who built their success over and without care for those who could not care for themselves? Did it matter to them? The message of hope was for those who could receive it. Do you think, do you think they have it, who, those people who have it all in Jerusalem think that they need rescuing? Probably not. And therein lies the main issue of Isaiah's day and partially ours too. Part of the reason these issues beyond our grasp encompass the backdrop of our world. There's no shalom, no wholeness, no completeness. Relationships in Jerusalem were broken, shattered, and incomplete. The people and leaders of Judah were called to cultivate this shalom, this wholeness, this completeness in relationships with one another, in love, in order to show the nations who God truly is so that they might come to know and place their faith in that God too. Because they failed to cultivate this environment of shalom, they trusted in themselves and other gods, and they neglected the care of those who would be taken advantage of, the marginalized, the poor, the widows, the orphans, the foreigners seeking refuge. The collective sin of the people cultivated an anti-shalom community. Brokenness and suffering were normal. The crooked was the new straight. Isaiah was the only light in that dark, broken, and crooked, anti-shalom city. He gave a message of hope that one would come and set all things right, but he preached a message of condemnation for the sinful and complacent and the neglectful if they didn't turn away from their evil ways. What was God's response to Judah's Refusal to repent, some of you remember. His response was he judged them to be guilty. The nation of Babylon came and they destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and they carried the people of Judah into exile in Babylon. Both the oppressors and the oppressed all felt the dire effects of the sin of just some. While they were in Babylon, there were those who remembered Isaiah's words, words of judgment and words of hope. One day, one will come, the Prince of Shalom, and he will set us and all things right. Finally, there will be wholeness and completeness, goodness once again in all things, in us and in the world. And you might be thinking, Jesus came once. There's still no shalom. 
Oppressors still oppress. Many without even knowing what they're doing, there's still war, fierce hunger, there's still sickness. And yeah, you're right. And on top of that, our hearts still grow cold and hard and we have to rely daily on the strength of Christ to muster the, the love inside of us that we ought to have for people. There's division and hatred in the world and in the church. But these words in Isaiah still ring true for us today. They weren't just for Israel and Judah. There is coming a day, a time forever, when finally all things will be made whole and complete. Yeah. No longer will there be any oppression or oppressors, nor will there be any war or hunger or sickness or pain or deep-cutting sorrow or fear or anxiety. Come on. Finally, our delight will be in the Lord Jesus and God alone. Finally. No longer will our hearts be cold and hard. Finally, only love will remain. Yes. Well, that sounds amazing, and it is. But just like Isaiah was the only light in that dark world he lived in, so is the church the only light in our dark world today. Yes. So what do we do right now in the meantime? How do we witness? We bear witness to that future reality of everlasting shalom that will be our new existence in the future if we do trust in Jesus Christ, right? So we witness with our words and our deeds. We've heard about that. We speak for those who do not yet know how to do so for themselves, those who can't speak for themselves. And we walk with them as brothers and sisters, building relationships with them, finding opportunities to share Jesus with them, not treating them like a ministry project, to the end of our own personal piety, our own personal righteousness, but building relationships with them and loving them. And wherever there is an opportunity to build meaningful, loving relationship, we take it. We must not allow our actions to discredit the gospel we are supposed to claim to believe. We are to love and speak in such a way that the world looks on and sees the one for whom her heart truly longs, the one who reached out to us in the form of humanity, Jesus of Nazareth, and took upon himself the full brunt of the consequences of our destructive, sinful behavior. Our God, creator of the cosmos and everything we see, who became the oppressed one, stripped of his glory and his dignity, he laid it down labeled guilty and killed for the sins that we were meant to bear. Let's be filled with eager, expectant hope and with the Holy Spirit of that future day. And let's leverage the unique gifts that God has given us and may we speak and live with both those who oppress and those who are oppressed and those who are somewhere in the middle, like a lot of us. And may we trust in Jesus, who is raised to life again. Amen. To truly love 
people in and through us so that they might come to truly know Him. Amen. say a quick word of prayer and then we're going to have one more song of worship. Father, thank you. I pray that you've spoken through me. God, I, I can do nothing of my own accord. Thank you for being willing to be here, Father. Thank you for sending your son or approaching Advent. Such an awesome reminder of what you did, God that you came down in the form of humanity, that you became the oppressed, you became the lowest of the low to serve us, God, the God of all creation. You came and served us. I pray that you fill us with your spirit and that you would send us out, that we would live as sent individuals for your kingdom. Father, draw us closer to you, Keep conforming us and molding us to the image of your Son. God, I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.